we better hope he's going before us in this day. Amen. I was happy Easter. Y'all, uh, I told Brother J.D., y'all get to take Easter pictures a little early today. Because I'm a, uh, when I'm done, I'm done. Is this me, Brother Eric, or? But it's Easter morning, and we, we, I wonder if we ever think of what Easter really means. We celebrate it with getting dressed up, taking pictures, finding eggs, eating Easter bunnies. I read something a while ago. There's a, a gentleman posted something I thought was really striking about the cross. You know, I was <clears throat> thinking when you look at the cross, you know, sometimes people think we're way past that. They look at 1 Corinthians 2 and it says, yes, search out the deep things, even the deep things of God. And they think that we're supposed to go deeper than the cross. You can't get any deeper than the cross. But he posted, some guy had wrote this many years ago. The cross is a wonder unfathomable. Time cannot contain its reach. No kingdom can surpass its power. No heart can endure its weight. And yet, it is the center of everything. It cannot be passed over. If we can't see the cross every morning when we get up, if we think we're too deep for the cross, you need to come back to a simple altar. You need to find the cross again. You know, without you know, Easter, there would be no Easter if there wasn't Christ, the sacrifice. There would be no Sunday if there wasn't a Friday. There'd be no resurrection if there wasn't a death. But this, we talk about this today, but this is something we should remind ourselves every day. That's what Easter is. It's Christ rising in your life every day that you could have new life. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to want to turn to a scripture here. Joshua 6, 1 and verses 1 through 6. If you'll bear with me for 45 minutes or so, we're going to speak to you this morning on Rahab's Easter. <clears throat> Just going to background first on on. In Joshua, here in, in God's commission to Joshua. Now Jericho was straightly shut up because the children of Israel, none went out and none came in. And the Lord said unto Joshua, See, I have given into thee thine hand Jericho and the king thereof and the mighty men of valor. You shall compass the city, all you men of war, and go round about the city once. Thou shalt do six days. And seven priests shall bear before the ark seven trumpets of ram's horns. The seventh day you shall come past the city seven times. Priests shall blow with the trumpets. You shall come past when they make a long blast with the ram's horn. When you hear the shout of the trumpet, all the people shall shout with a great shout. Pastors want you to do that sometimes. When the shout's going out up here, it needs to come out up there too. Please. <laughs> But God didn't say please. He said do it. So, 
and the wall of the city shall fall down flat. Let's knock some walls down today. And the people shall ascend up every man straight before him. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for another day, Lord. Lord, to raise up in the morning knowing that your grace is still abounding in our lives. Lord, it's not what we've done, our, our works, our faith in our works are nothing like that, Lord. It's the grace of God that we even get to breathe another day. It's the resurrection, Lord, that gave us life. Lord, we know before the foundation of the world, you wrote our names on that book, a prophet said, Lord. But we know for that to be manifested, there had to be a death, burial, and a resurrection. We're so thankful for that, Lord. Lord, I pray that you meet every need here this morning. You know the needs. You heard the request, the hands that was raised, the thoughts, anything that anyone has, Lord. We pray that you meet that need, Father. I pray that you'd get me out of the way, Lord. Lord, you know what they have need of. I don't. Lord, I can just take what you, I felt like you put on my heart and present it to them, Lord. Anoint their ears to hear. Anoint my lips to speak. We give you the honor and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Just going to background here a little bit, and then we'll move on into Rahab. But looking at Jericho, you know, the one reason why I did this scripture first is because every one of us has a Jericho that raises up in our lives. You know, and I got to thinking about this, how we, we look at the problems and obstacles in our lives, whether it be just everyday problems, financial problems, be it sickness, cancer, COVID, whatever it is, things in our life, a, a death of a loved one, if, um, you know, you want your loved one saved, and there's things is, that Satan just bombards us every day with things in our life, and, and we look at that, you know, you've got this Jericho in your path. And when you look at it, you know, I got to think about this. You know, I don't know how you think, but the way I have, I have thought is that, okay, if I get this Jericho in my life, I'm just going to march around it. I'm going to start marching around it like Joshua and Caleb and march and march till this obstacle is gone. And studying this, I realized something. I'm in Jericho. I can't march around it. You think if Rahab had a revelation that God take the walls down, people marching around it, she'd been out there marching around it? I would have. I would have if, if it was me. If I was in Rahab's shoes and, and, and I know God's going to destroy this place by people marching around it, I'm going to be the first one marching. Because she hated this place she was at. She hated the life she lived. But so many times in our lives, we, we get in, in our mind that we're going to fix this. Remember, I preached here a couple of years ago, the battle's not yours. The battle's not yours. And the whole time, Rahab was predestinated. God knew Rahab was coming out of there. He, wouldn't, he wasn't just going to let them walls fall down and, and, and destroy a predestinated seed. So, so looking at that, you know, it, it really, looking at the commission that God gave the ministry of that, that day, Sometimes I need you to walk, march, march around my walls. You need to march around my walls. I need to march around yours. That's, that's why it's a body move. God didn't tell Joshua, okay, Joshua, you march around the walls. Had over a million people marching around these walls. Shoulder to shoulder. So when you got a Jericho in your life, I'm marching for you. Ministry is marching for you. There comes a shout. 
you come in here on the seventh day and you hear a shout come forth. Why do you think people get delivered, sit right here in the church? Because their walls came down. Victory day. Brother Bram says, now notice, when Joshua took the word first and put the word first, God told him, as I was with Moses, so I'll be with you. I'll not fail you. I'll be with you. And this is a lengthy quote. I apologize. I don't know if it's up there or ain't up there, so don't worry about it. I'll not fail you. I'll be with you. No man is going to stand before you all the days of your life. I'm going to be right there. Don't fear what's going to take place. I'll be right there. With a commission like that, what could Joshua do but put the word first? God told him. He believed it. God said, as I was with Moses, so will I be with you. And Joshua believed. It's simple as that. We seem to overcomplicate things. That's what Joshua put faith in. With a commission from God, put the word first. And it brought a V-day. It's got to come. That's all. He put the word first. And what happened? The ark went first to the water. When it did, the sea opened, the river, river rather, and they crossed over. What's he going to do when he gets over there? What's the next thing going to take place when he gets over there on the other side? When he finds out they're walled in because of the fear of him when he comes over. But then he met the chief captain. He had another V-Day. He told him exactly what to do, and the walls of Jericho fell down. The natural man looking through the glass saying, now you brought me over here and here I am. Look at the opposition. <clears throat> Look at all on the inside with their slings. If we get over that close to that wall, they've got rocks laid in there. They've got big sp- uh, slings. They've got spears. They've got bows. They've got doctor reports. They've got circumstances. They've got symptoms. You think Satan is just going to Torment you just a little bit, and he's going to see that you believe in this word, and then he's going to leave you alone. As I was in, in Pennsylvania last week, I, I was telling them, you know, Satan knows who you are. He knows who you are. That's why he tempts you. That's why he tries you. But he cannot do anything that God does not allow him to do. And God allows him to do things in your life because he trusts you. He trusts the word that he placed in you. He trusts the life that he placed in you. So when you come up against this Jericho in your, in your life and you see the size of the wall, you see the doctor reports, you see your, your, your bank account is empty, you're going to go bankrupt, you see your kids in jail, you see your, your daughters on drugs... That's Satan's job to show you that. That's Satan's job to let you focus on that. If you focus on that, how can you focus on the power of God in your life? How can you focus on God said march, so let's march? Do you know when they started marching around them walls, God said, don't say a word. No doubt in their minds, they probably thought, this is crazy. One of this is going to happen. Day one, nothing happens. Day two, nothing happens. Nothing's happened. But God said, don't say a word. Do not utter your doubt. Don't utter your worry. Don't utter what your concerns about if this wall is going to come down. God said it would come down. God said, your problem is his problem. 
So why do we worry? Why do we doubt? Why do we complain? It's human nature. I get it. It's human nature. As I was telling a brother not too long ago, a millisecond before the rapture takes place, you might make a mistake. That's human nature. But we have to find our trust in the chief captain. So he says, they got everything laying in there. But Joshua put God first. And when he did, he says, it isn't how you're going to get there. That's up to God. Just keep moving. Follow the word. So God sent a captain to march around your trial. Even though you don't feel it, you don't see it, it's still there, somebody's marching. That's why you turn prayer requests in here. Turn prayer requests in. And what does God do? God gives marching orders. Why would people ask you to pray? Me me and my wife had uh, one of the teachers up here, uh, up at Happy Valley. She's retired now. Saw us in Ingalls the other day. First thing she came out of her mouth. We all care to pray for my grandbaby. People know you. Like a, they know where you go to church. She needed somebody to march. Let's look at Rahab. Let's look at Jericho from Rahab's perspective. I would say she hated the life that she had. I would say she lived in shame. I would say she had no friends. God's wrapped gift, Brother Bram, see it down, this immoral girl was turned on the street. She had heard there was a God who answered prayer. And the first opportunity that she got, she accepted that God, she accepted that God or do something for him, and she did. And God spared her life, saved her father, her mother, and her family. Rahab was a nasty woman. Just say it like, it like it is. She was a nasty, dirty woman. Rahab, her job was the lowest profession on the face of the earth, and it still is today. That's how she made a living. You think she was happy-go-lucky? You think that just because the Bible, the prophet says she was beautiful. That didn't do it for her. She wanted something more. This was her only chance to get out of Jericho. When the spies came and she hid them, what did she tell them? She did not wait for them to tell her who, she, who they were. She said, we know who you are and we know who your God is. She began to testify to them who their God was. The Bible says, she said, he is the Lord God. Capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. She called him Jehovah. How did she know he was Jehovah? How did she know the name of God? She knew who their God was. She began to testify of the things that their, their God had done. They didn't even have time to preach to her. She began to tell him how God has blessed them. We know the things that God has done. We know the things that he is, when you, the, the Red Sea, you know, the Bible tells us, um, not the Bible, the, I, I did some study on, on her. You can find in the Hebrew, you, uh, they have found old scrolls that they have interpreted and put into Hebrew writing, into English writing, and they, they tell stories. 
They say that Rahab was 10 years old when the Israelites left Egypt. That would make her 50 here. 50 years old. But she's telling them the things that happened when she was 10. Your, we heard how your God Jehovah parted the Red Sea. We heard how he destroyed the Ammonites and the Midianites. Everybody that come before you, and we're, the whole city, our whole city is frightened. We're in fear. That no man knows what to do. You think them cancer devils in your life are not scared? You think they're not trembling? You think because your daughter is lost, your son is lost on drugs because you've got so many issues in your life, those devils are not trembling because they know your God? That's Rahab's testimony. I know your God. And she knew that he was the only God that would take her out of there. She didn't say, you will save me. She said, your God will save me. People will think their pastor or their minister, the ministers in the, will save them. All they can do is bring to you what God gave them. That's between you and God. She didn't, she didn't say, you're going to save me. I have faith in your God. But she began to tell them how God had blessed them. But we stop and, and look at her, her, her life. Why do you think she wanted out of here so bad? Why do you think she wanted out of this life? Amen. Prophet said her dad, her, her parents forced her on the street at a young age for an income. How he knew that, I don't know. Not asking. So all these friends that she could have had, she didn't have. All the social cliques in church shoved her aside. Her name was in their conversation, but she wasn't allowed in their clique. She was ashamed of herself. She worked at night. No, t no doubt during the day, she just stayed inside. Don't ever think that you've done something so bad in your life that God can't reach down and save you. Don't ever think you've got to the place where God's grace cannot reach you. Why God allowed Rahab to go 50 years in filth. We never hear of her until the day of her salvation. We don't even know who she is. But God, permissive will. Predestinated seed because God says the lineage of my flesh body is coming through Rahab. Before the foundation of the world. That wasn't just a spur of the moment thought of God. You wasn't just a spur of the moment thought of God. Just if you could get in your mind, if God ever makes a revelation in your heart, in your, in your mind, that you're a predestinated seed, and you let that get sealed down in here. It don't matter what you go through. It don't matter what happens to you. Devil can't take that away. Jericho can't take that away. It's in there till the day it, that was in there when you took your first breath of life, and God put that life in there. His seed predestinated you before the foundation of the world. Hell will never take it away. When God has put it in your mind that you're healed, 
that you're delivered. It doesn't matter what doctors say. It doesn't matter what symptoms say. It doesn't matter what Jericho says. Jericho always comes down. You can read the Bible, 400 different languages, and Jericho always came down. It doesn't matter. So if, what if God sent you to Jer- Jericho? Say, you go to Jericho and you pick somebody out for me that I'm going to bring my lineage through. Who would you pick? Would you go through this city? You go to the Jericho's kings, his courts. Let's go to one of his banquets. Maybe we can find someone there. Would you go to the deep, dark, nasty corners the slums, the ghettos of Jericho looking for God's lineage. We'd have never picked her. I'd have never picked me. You'd have never picked you. The reason why we would we would never pick ourselves is because we're always focusing on the bad things we've done. We're always focusing on this flesh instead of focusing on God said. God said. That's it. It it doesn't take a deep mystery revelation for us to figure out that God said, I loved you before the foundation of the world. You were in my mind. I predestinated you. I put my life in you when you were born. And and when your day of salvation came, I quickened that seed. It's as simple as that. And we overcomplicate it by, by looking at our symptoms, our circumstances, the life that we lived and our past. Your past is just that. It's in the past. It's in the past. Why can't we leave that there? Why do we want to bring that, our past, out of the blood? So I wonder who we would pick. But let's look at her testifying to these two preachers. Brother Branham called them preachers. Joshua 2 and 9. And she said unto the men, I know that God hath given you the land, and your terror is fallen upon us, and all the inhabitants of the land fate because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you come out of Egypt, and what you did unto the two kings of the Amorites that were on the other side of Jordan, Sihon and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts did melt, neither did there remain any more courage in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven. The Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and earth beneath. Now therefore, I pray, swear unto me by the Lord, since I have showed you kindness, that you also show kindness unto my father's house and give me a true token. And and that you shall save alive my father and my mother and my brethren, my sisters and all that they have and deliver our lives from death. Who gave them authority to grant that to her? Who gave them the authority? So you be, you got to understand something. Joshua 2 came before Joshua 6. They didn't know the walls were coming down. God told Joshua that. God, Joshua didn't tell. He said, go spy out the land. Why'd they go spy out the land? See how thick the walls were to see what the, how many was in the army. If they knew God was going to march around, have them march around the walls and if walls fall down, why would they go need, need to look how wide the walls were? It didn't matter. 
It don't matter how wide the walls were. This is God. So they didn't know that God sent, told Joshua, was going to tell Joshua, you march around seven days and seven times on the seventh day and I'm bringing the walls down. They didn't know that. But they told her she would be saved. Who gave them that authority? In reading, in, in, in studying the history, and I could be wrong, but studying the history in the, in the Hebrew writings, they say that the two spies was Phineas and Caleb. I've looked at different historical writings and they continually go back to Phineas. How many remembers who Phineas was? He took some action upon himself before, did he not? When the Israelite man went with the Median Gentile woman into the tent, and he took it upon himself to run him through with a spear. And God stayed the plague. He said, because the hand of Phineas. They say that he was given the priesthood of war after that. So who better to sin than somebody that knew he was following God's will? And Caleb, who knew that when God said something, it's going to happen. Goes back 40 years later and says, God gave me that land, I'm taking it. So they had authority by the same God she testified to them about, you will be saved. <clears throat> In God's wrapped gift, Brother Bram said, Rahab, the harlot that we're all familiar with. She being a young girl turned into the street by heathen father and mother. They put her on the street because she was beautiful and was to bring an income on prostitution. I wonder if she ever despised or hated her parents for that. You know, we, we blame human nature. We blame people for our mistakes sometimes. We blame other people for our mistakes. Sometimes there's such a laugh, lack of forgiveness. I don't know why. Every time I, I study in the last eight, nine months, it's just this thought keeps this press, pressing me about forgiveness, forgiving others. You're, you're not going to get out of here until you have a, a forgiven heart. And I wonder if she ever despised them, if, if she ever thought, they're the reason why I'm in this shape. It's their fault that I live the life that I live. And she could truthfully say that. She could honestly say, this is their fault. I'm in a situation I didn't ask for. I'm filthy and I didn't ask for it. I'm nasty. When people see me coming, they go across the street. I don't have any friends. The only friends I have are just like me. They're filthy too. Maybe she wanted friends that got to go to the banquet sometimes. Maybe she wanted friends that were the upper society in church. Maybe she wanted to hang around the people that everybody else wanted to hang around at church. I say church because that is a real thing. And God hates it. It's a real thing. You got somebody that you see in your church, they backslide, they do something. You have nothing else to do with them. You totally shut them off. There's no forgiveness. How are you going to feel when you get on that day when you see somebody there that God forgave and you didn't? 
if the life of Christ is in you, if the life of Christ is in you, you can't help but forgive. You can't help it. It, it, It's the life. It's the attribute. You know, so so oftentimes, well, yeah, I've forgiven them. I've forgiven them. Then why do you run them down every time their name comes up? Why do you talk bad about them? I've forgiven them. There ain't no forgiveness. Until you truly forgive 100%, you're not leaving here. Because this prophet said, how you are here, you will be there. But I wonder if she ever despised their pa- her parents. We do know that up to some point, she didn't. So what did she ask? What did she ask the spies? Save my mother, my father, my sisters, and my brothers. She didn't wish any harm on them. You notice she didn't say any friends. Her own family. Maybe that's all she knew. That's all she had. My mother, my father, my friends. There's going to be people on that day that's going to totally lay you out when you see they made it in. You're going to be total, totally surprised. The people that you've stepped on, that I've stepped on, that have no, have, we've ignored. Didn't fellowship with them because we thought we were better than them. When you get on the other side, you see them standing there. You know, Joel has showed, shared a video with me the other day, and I could not get it off my mind, Joel. There's this minister named Alistair, Alistair Begg. I think he's from the UK. But he starts talking about the cross. He starts talking about People saying, you know, how'd you get here? I, you, don't get, you can't say I got here because I did this. I, I got here because I did that. I fed the poor. I sent money to the missionaries. You can't, you're not going to be into heaven, in heaven by your works. It's, it's, it's not going to happen. That ain't what gets you there. And he said, I began to wonder, you know, he said, I thought of the thief on the cross. He said, what do you think? He said, I'd like to, on that day, I would like to go up to him and talk to him and ask him what it was like when he first crossed over. He said, I can imagine the angels walking up to him and saying, how'd you get here? Who let you in? He said, was it because you believe in sanctification through justification? No. And I began to ask these questions. Is it because you said, I believe there's a prophet? Is it because I studied the seven seals and I got a true revelation of the seven seals? Is it because I helped so-and-so? But he says, he walks up to him and says, why are you here? He said, because the man on the middle cross said I could come. That's it. That's all he did. He said I could come. You don't, you know Jesus knew every single thing about that man's past. Everything. Nothing was hidden. 
He didn't even hesitate. Never gave it a second thought. He answered him right away. Can I come with you? Today you'll be with me in paradise. What an invitation. And we want everybody to see our works, what we do, who we prayed for. And they got healed. Where we preached. How many we preached for. It ain't about what you've done. Quit lifting yourself up. You're nobody. Rahab was nobody. And I hope you leave here today knowing you are the perfect type of Rahab. You're the perfect type. God's forgiveness is simple. It's I forgive. We want people to grovel. I want you to prove to me you're sorry. Prove it. God says, you ask for forgiveness, I forgive you. I didn't mean to stay on that long. The token brother Branham says, Rahab, every predestinated seed in here, he's referring him to Rahab. You go out there and go hunting them. Get your daddy and get your mother. I'm going to jump a quote here and I'll come back. Sometimes Jennifer sends me quotes of the day and this is one and I put it in here. In Divine Love, sorry brothers, Divine Love 56. What was it, divine love? Sympathy had been projected by the Holy Spirit into this man. He's talking about blind man. And by that, at the end of the road where he couldn't, nothing could be done, and love had taken its place, and love had met love. Sovereign grace went to work. God, through so- sovereign grace, restored sight to the man. First, you have to enter into that thought. That's the way you have to do to a sinner. Many pray, people pray for sinners. People say it all the time. Yeah, you know, pray, pray for so-and-so. He's, he's back to so pray for him. Pray for him. Pray for him. We pray. We pray. That's not a way to win a sinner. It's your business to win the sinner. It was Rahab's business to save her family. It was her business. She asked for it. They didn't tell her. You don't win him by praying for him. You win him by talking to him. And introducing him to Christ. That's your business. That's your duty is to win sinners by talking to them and projecting to them the love of God through the word of God. That wins the sinner. Some people says, I wouldn't go to church. I sure like that woman, I like that fella, but because you are winning them, if you stayed home and just prayed for the sinner and never went in contact with him, there's very little that could be done. You pray for somebody. Lord, save them, save them. Well, who's showing them Christ? If he's out in the world and all you're doing is praying for him and you're at home, where's he seeing Christ at? If you're not carrying Christ in your body over to him. <clears throat> I 
in the token. Look at Joshua and read Joshua, the second chapter. Sorry, Daniel. <clears throat> I've got wrote down here, read it. I haven't got the time, but I want you to know when, when Moses and Joshua were on the road through the wilderness, come to the Exodus and sent out some ministers, spies, to go spy out the land. Remember, there was a Gentile over on the other side of the river by the name of Rahab. She was a harlot. Poor kid was a streetwalker. Perhaps turned out by her family. We find out that when she's seen those men and know they were men of God, she was a harlot. She wanted to know if there'd be any mercy granted to her. God gives mercy to those who call for mercy. All that call for mercy receive mercy. Sometimes these Sometimes some of our own are calling out for mercy. And we ain't hearing. It don't matter. Young people, old people, middle-aged. We've got every age group right now that's backslid. And they're crying out for somebody to show them mercy. Is it going to be you? Or are you going to wait on somebody else to do it? Are you going to carry Christ to them? Are you going to reach out to them? There's some of them that don't come back because they're ashamed. They're embarrassed. Things they've done in their life. There's some that don't come back because they're hurt. And what validates that for them is nobody comes to them. Nobody comes to them. So the longer they go without somebody showing them Christ... They begin to think what they're thinking is real. There is no hope. There is no mercy. Nobody at that church cares for me. But God showed mercy to Rahab. She, she didn't deny who she was. She didn't, she didn't start offering excuses to the, the two men. She didn't say, listen, I'm this way because... Because my, my mom and dad needed me to make money. We were poor. So they, they, they did this, this. She offered no excuses for what she was. She just said, save me. Save me. I want out of here. I don't want to live in this place anymore. Promise me that you'll save me. We don't, we don't know all the time why people are the way they are. We don't know their, their background. Brother Bram said before, there's some people, they do things that's no fault of their own. They were forced to do it. And so we judge people so many times by what we see with these eyes and what we hear with these ears. Without knowing anything, we pass judgment. And then our actions upon that becomes our actions towards them is based on our judgments. <clears throat> So when they come to talk to Rahab, you notice they didn't even mention Joshua to her. They didn't, they didn't mention the messenger of the day. The conversation was about Lord God Jehovah. That's who's going to bring me out. She didn't say, take me to Joshua and let me prove, prove all them things that we've heard about the Red Sea, about the Amorites, about the Midians, all these other things. Prove it. Prove it to me. 
She'd never seen another, she'd never seen any of the children of Israel up to that day. Had never seen them in her life. All she'd seen her entire life was Gentile dogs. Her entire life. And the one time that she's, she's, and how they knew that these guys were from Israel, I have no idea. I don't know. They'd never seen them before. It was something about the way they walked, I guess. The way they held themselves. Because it got word back to the king, hey, there's two guys here from the camp of Israel. How they knew that, I don't know. But it wasn't about introducing him to the messenger that day. It was about introducing her to the one who gave the message. Why little Bethlehem? And we find out it was also became home. He's talking about Bethlehem, home with the harlot Rahab, when Israel passed over the borderline of Jordan River into Palestine. We are acquainted with the story of Rahab the harlot. Let's picture her this morning for a few minutes as a young lady, beautiful young woman whose misfortune in life had been forced, being a pagan, forced into the life that she was living. And many times people are forced into the life they live. And this young woman, after she got her first hearing of Israel and of a God that answered prayer, not only a God to pray to, but a God that answered back. When she heard that there was a God of miracles who could perform miracles, who dried up the seas, rained bread out of heaven, her heart began to tremble. And when she got the first message from two preachers that went over, quickly she accepted it with all her heart. There was a scarlet cord bound at her window for the protection of her house because she had received the message. Scarlet cord. We know that's the same thing that saved the spies, saved Rahab. Let me back up a minute. I'm getting way too far ahead. The New Testament still refers to Rahab as the harlot. Go read Hebrews 11. The hall of faith, they call it. Just read it, and when you read it, notice what it says about everybody else. Abraham was spotless in God's eyes. Sarah was spotless. Noah they come through the blood, they get pulled through the cross into the New Testament, and Abraham staggered not at the promise of God. Sarah didn't laugh, don't say anything about it. Yeah. David in the New Testament, David was not adulterous and not an adulterer and not a murderer. He wasn't. He was that God, the New Testament says he was the apple of God's eye. But Rahab, by faith the harlot Rahab perish not with them that believe not when she received the spies of peace. It says by faith Noah, by faith Abraham, by faith Joseph, Jacob, and Moses. Sarah's laughter is filtered out through the cross. Abraham's lies is filtered out through the cross. All this stuff is filtered out. But she's still a harlot. She's still a harlot. James calls her the same thing. It's a harlot. But she's still in the hall of faith. 
You're talking about grace. That ain't a perfect picture of God's grace. She's a harlot, but she's in the hall of faith. You might have been a drunkard. You might have done this. You might have done that. But God still placed you in that hall of faith. When you get pulled through the cross, don't, don't reach back and try to pull this stuff through with you. Don't pull it through with you. Rahab didn't pull that through with her. She didn't pull it through with her. Where God said, we're going to put this as a remembrance to show my grace. I'm going to show my grace. That even a harlot can go in the hall of faith. You look, you look through there and everything you read about it, there's nothing bad, nothing negative about nobody. And then all of a sudden, a word harlot pops up. That's grace. It ain't nothing but grace. When we look at James 2.24, you see how then that by works a man is justified, not by faith only. Likewise also was not Rahab the heart justified by works when she had received the messengers and sent them out another way? By faith. It was by faith. She didn't hear an audible voice come down to her and tell her to do that. Give her instructions. Well, I'm going to send two guys, and when they come in, you need to hide them in your lodge because they're going to come looking for them, and then you need to take the scarlet cord and you need to let them down. She didn't have no instructions. Something in her pricked her heart and said, save these men. And in saving them, she saved her house. <clears throat> but here she is, a Gentile dog, and she finds favor with Jehovah. What did she have faith in? First time you heard this message, did you question a little bit? Some did. I mean, that's human nature. First time you heard the message, some of you might have ever said, I'll never believe that. It's a possibility. First time she heard it, the first time she heard testimony of what this strange God was doing throughout the land of Canaan in the land of Egypt, she heard, she believed. She was hearing this from the, the lips of heathen dogs, pagan worshipers, Gentiles. That's where she was getting the, her message from until these two guys showed up. So she already believed it before they got there. She was already believing in the Lord God, Jehovah, before the two spies got there. If she, she didn't believe it, she wouldn't ask him to help her. I know he can save me. Promise me you'll save me and my family. She knew that their God had the power to do this. <clears throat> so they tell her to put a token out. Look in the second chapter of Joshua, we find out there is a believing harlot by the name of Rahab, a Gentile harlot over across the river when they came across into the promised land. The spies went over to spy out. All of her family was saved under that token. That only. Right. Remember, God's destroying angel honored that token. He's, <clears throat> when the churches went down, the mayor fell, the city went down, the king went down, the governor, the educated, the pretty women, the handsome man, the important, the all sufficient, and everything that wasn't under that token, <clears throat> amen. amen. So they, they tell her that this, this scarlet cord that you've let us down with, hang that out your window. 
That will be your tug. When they still do not know, they're going to be marching around them walls. In their mind, we're going to come in and take the city and destroy it just like we have everybody else. And we're going to remember Rahab's house because she's got this scarlet cord. It don't always go the way you think it's going to go. <clears throat> but look at the token that she had. They didn't give her anything for a token. She already had it. She already had it. Had it the whole time. That same token had to be used to save the spies. That same token had to be applied to save her family. She didn't know she had this as a token. She didn't know. Who'd have thought? God's not going to ask you to use something you don't have. When God gave you the token, you already had it before the foundation of the world. You already had it. You didn't know you had it. <clears throat> so by faith, she applies the token. But so here she is. She's got the token applied around her window. They're in about a week or so, she starts hearing marching. Million man army here, it's coming. They're marching. They get closer. They get louder. Everybody in Jericho is scared to death. But when they look, all they see is destruction. Jericho sees this army coming over the hill, and all they see is destruction. What does she see? Because she's looking through a token. She looks out that very window. She looks out the window that they told her to hang that token. She has to look past the token to see that army. She sees deliverance. Listen, it depends on whose glasses you're looking through. Brother Bram said, you know, that God gave um, Job his binoculars and let him look 4,000 years ahead. All depends on whose glasses you're looking through, what you see, and then how you interpret it. You can look at cancer all you want as a destroying army of Satan. You look through the token and you see God's deliverance. Amen. Doesn't matter what you got, you're going through in your life. It doesn't matter what's happening in your life. There's not one single thing that's come up on the face of the earth yet that God can't, God can't touch, that God can't deliver. Nothing. There never will be. All, Satan can, can turn loose all the powers and everything he's got on you. And he has. There's, no, there's nothing that can withstand simple grace of God. Nothing. So she looks past the token and she sees her deliverance. But unknown, unknown to her at this time, there's a prince in that army. Salmon. What does his name mean? Peace. So she's got the Prince of Peace coming. She didn't know it, but her prince is going to be marching around them walls nonstop. Her prince is marching around her problem. Captain of the Lord's army that met Joshua out there on the battlefield. 
Joshua's army didn't bring them walls down. You, when you go out there and you're praying for somebody, you say, I'm marching around your walls, I'm, I'm, I'm bearing the burden with you. You ain't bringing the walls down. You're praying to the very one that met Joshua out there in the battlefield that said, I'll bring the walls down. It's not you bringing them down. Quit trying to bring your own problems down. You don't have the ability. I have messed stuff, stuff up so bad trying to do it my own self. We all have. And God says, get your stinking hands off of it. Get your hands off of it. So all Joshua and him had to do, what, what did they have to do? Praise. That's all you got to do is march and give praise. Don't beg. Don't plead. Don't, don't remind God, you promised me this, you promised me that. Praise. A shout of praise is what brought the walls down. <clears throat> In, I'm trying to hurry. When Rahab met the two spies from the Israel's army, her problem was over. She never focused on her issues. She no, no longer focused on, I have to go here, I have to go there, I've got to meet this guy, I've got to do this. She never focused on that anymore. When they said, apply this token, her problems were over. She was still dirty. Easter, Easter hadn't come for her yet. But she had a promise. She was still dirty. She lived in the same filthy place. She still didn't have no friends. You know, studying this, I wondered, did she actually, did she go anywhere? And, and when she got her family in, I wonder if she tried to talk to some of the other people coming to my house. Come, come with me, you'll be saved. I wonder if she tried to do that. We don't know. The Bible doesn't, doesn't know, doesn't say. But her problems were over. When it's ever revealed to you, when it's revealed in your heart, when you put a stamp on it, when, the, when you can see and look through every issue that you have through the token, it looks totally different. It, look, it don't look the same. All your problems look different, even when the problems are still there. They're still there. But I would say she had a little, a little jump in her step, Brother Paul, but whenever she would look and, and, and she hung that scarlet cord out there. She knew they were coming. And then when she heard that marching, when she heard them marching around her problem, I'd say that faith just boosted up a little bit more. <laughs> when the weakest Christian gets on their knees, devils tremble. God could have told Joshua, give me the weakest man in your army and have him march around them walls. One man. You march around them walls. Tell him to march around them walls six days. And on seventh day, tell him to march seven times. And on the seventh day, after the seventh time, you tell him, just him alone, to shout. Them walls would have come down. So don't sell yourself short on the faith that God's given you in your life. 
You know, we, we hear people, people say, I don't, I don't have much faith to try to believe, try to pray for this. I just don't, I just don't feel like I have great faith. And, you know, we've got the testimony that Brother Branham gives the lady that come up to her and said, Brother Branham, I, I ain't got no faith. And it was revealed to me, he said, you have great faith. You have great faith. Sometimes we don't understand what God has given us. You know, when, when, whenever you receive the Holy Ghost, when, when you, you are more than just saved. You're more than just saved. You've got all the attributes that come with that. You have everything that comes with that. Can you imagine how she felt? I like the part when the walls come down and Joshua says, go get Rahab. Go get your bride. Tribulation's over. All the walls are flat. Can you imagine how she felt when she pushed that door open? The streets that she used to walk on to sell herself, they're gone. The old nasty buildings and places where she left her shame, they were gone. They were no longer there. Nothing to remind her of what she was. You're talking about an Easter morning. Do you think she just walked out and thought, well, it's gone? I'm saved. I needed a cup of coffee. I'll guarantee you there couldn't have been 10 men hold that woman down. And God does things in our lives sometimes and we just, we thank him for it while we're praying over oatmeal. We don't testify. He's just, he's more than just a God of salvation. This wasn't over. It wasn't over for Rahab yet. It just begun. So Joshua tells him, go get your bride. Go get Rahab. But what if, what if she'd have had a different story? What if, the spies had never gone into Jericho. Then they marched around and everybody was killed, including Rahab. Do you realize how detrimental that would have been to me and you? There'd been no book of Ruth. There'd been no Boaz. There'd been no kinsman redeemer. And the Gentile dog that was grafted in to the tribe of Judah that would have brought forth the Messiah and no longer happened. God has a way of doing things. God has a, a way when we, we, we don't understand it, we look at this. We, we, we think this is the way I think this should do. You know, we, we feel like there's things, that, you know, witnessing to people. I should go witness that brother. Sometimes we get overzealous. You know, when, when I'm talking, when I was reading you the quote a while ago, and Brother Bram's talking about, you know, talking to, to a sinner, be witness to him, whatever. You better be led of God to do that. Yeah. You have to be led of God. Amen. 
Let's stand together. Your life could have told a different story. I know, I know some of, of your lives because I'm, I'm friends with some of you, some of your family. I know some s- stories and past some, some of the best Christians I know that would scare you to death of what their life would have been had they went the path they were going. If there hadn't been two spies come to their life. If they hadn't had somebody marching around their walls. Every one of us could look at our lives right now and think, this one thing, one thing turned your life around. One thing. It's the grace of God. It's, it's not about just because I'm a good Christian because I go to Happy Valley because Brother Donnie's my pastor. Brother Donnie ain't for everybody. You know, he's got the ones God sent him. But you could look at him and say, if it wasn't for Brother Donnie, I don't know where I'd be. I, I, I know the impact he's had on my life. I know the impact he's had on some of yours, but I can also say this. I know the impact some of you had in my life because I knew some of you were marching around my walls. Listen, we need each other. Rahab needed a million-man army. God gave her one. Wasn't the way she planned it. She didn't know. She didn't say, she didn't know how God was going to save them. She had no idea. She said, just save me just any way possible. I'm not asking you or telling you how to do it. I don't care if you have to drag me out of there by the hair of your head. Just save me. History tells us that archaeologists, when they dug up Jericho, which we know Jericho, the city was never, Jericho, the land is still there. That city was never built, rebuilt. That archaeologists and scientists go down there and was digging it up. And they said it had gotten so hot that some of these rocks had melted together. I thought, well, that's wonderful. She walked out on the ashes of the wicked, stepped out that door, and walked on the ashes of the wicked. That's, that's a perfect type of the bride. When he says, go get your bride. They knocked on the only house standing in Jericho, they knock on the door. Come with me. You know, looking at Rahab's Easter. Old Rahab died. She had to die. You have a death, burial, and resurrection. Right? She died. But when she was resurrected, when Salmon's seed came through her. Salmon seed came through her. She was a new woman. She was now grafted in to the tribe of Judah. Never to be taken. You look at, you look at Matthew. Read the genealogy. Other than Mary, 
other than Mary, go read the three women's names. It's only women's names that's in there. Tamar, Rahab, and Ruth. There's the only women that's mentioned in genealogy. So she found her place in the New Testament through the blood. We sing that song. Uh, I could have had another different story. However you, one Harry sings. Nobody loves me like you do. You can do it. I'll pray for Joel. Morning, I see you in the sunrise every morning. Like the picture that you painted for me. I love a letter in the sky. Yeah.
we found shout to the Lord. My Jesus, my Savior, Lord, there is none like you.
so thankful for what he had to say this morning. Let's just go as you go this morning. Enjoy your family and time on this Easter together. Remember our young people will be traveling back. I guess that's today coming home from Louisiana. So let's pray for their safe return. And let's just sing this one more time as you go this morning. God bless you. My Jesus, my Savior, Lord, there is none like you. Tower of refuge and strength. 